0: My friend Tay, his buddy Ant with us from here, here today. Why don't you give a hand clap to them? I'm excited for what God is going to do. God's been doing some great things these past couple weeks. I haven't been, I feel, I don't feel like I've been gone, but I have been gone the past two weeks. Two weeks ago, we started a membership class in Fishers. We've been teaching it there. It's been going amazing launching a new membership class. That night one was filled with the Holy Ghost at Illuminate, 11 claim miracles. Last week I was in Walkerton, Indiana up north. Three more were filled with the Holy Ghost and several more miracles in the name of Jesus. And everywhere I've been going, I feel expectation for what God is going to do. Expectation for what God is going to do. If you feel that in this room, why don't you clap your hands right now to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords Hallelujah. Hallelujah. this this pulpit means more to me than other pulpits this is my church this is my sanctuary my my place of prayer every time I step into this pulpit I feel, humbled by our pastor by you all just humbled to be in this place and the lord normally just specifically for this church i feel like i preach different here he normally gives me a strategic word from him to deliver to this church not something that's going to fade not just a message but a strategic service to take us where we need to go and god has always responded to that that being said i struggled this week getting the mind of christ whether he wasn't speaking, or I wasn't listening. Right, I'm. I'm not really sure, but I just felt like I was waiting all week long. And I'm okay telling this congregation this, but I personally had been tired. I feel like I've just been fighting the same sickness as many of you have. This winter months just fighting the same stuff over and over and over again, and it didn't seem to go away. And all this stuff, I just couldn't. I just couldn't feel like I gotta could get in a routine of what God wanted to say and couldn't hear the voice of the Lord. I talked with my my pastor, my dad, he prayed. I had some ideas of maybe what would be a good thing to preach and maybe what would be a great message to bring to the church, but I didn't want to just preach a message. I wanted a word from the Lord. I want to both hear and deliver a word from the Lord. God waited all night long, didn't speak till about 745 last night in his usual manner but i'm so excited that how many how many know it's it's okay to be tired sometimes it's okay to be tired sometimes but that's what the bible talks about this is the rest which causes the weary to rest when you get in the atmosphere of god it's it's okay to be tired but when we get in the atmosphere of god get into his presence he just causes a rest to come over us that spirit when you begin to be filled with that spirit it causes rest to come down into your life. And we're here today. I believe God's got a word for this congregation today. Amen. And so let's go into the word of God, Matthew chapter 12 and verse nine. And it says, and when he was departed, thence he went into their synagogue. He went to the church. Somebody say he went to the church. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered and they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? that they might accuse him. Who is they? They is the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted to accuse him. They asked him, is it, is it okay? Is it good to heal on the Sabbath? Because they couldn't work on the Sabbath. So is it good to heal on the Sabbath? And he went, he said unto them, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep and it sh- if it shall fall in a pit on the Sabbath day, he will not lay hold on it and lift it up. Who, who's here among you that if your sheep falls in a pit, you're going to say, oh, I can't work on the Sabbath. I can't lift him up because it's the Sabbath day. It's the, it's the day of rest. Who here among you, next verse. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, the man that had the withered hand, the man that needed a healing, stretch forth forth thine hand the man had to step out in order to get his healing amen and he stretched it forth and it was restored whole like as the other got kind of an interesting topic here today but as soon as I knelt down last night God dropped this into my spirit and I'm excited to preach it here today I want to preach to you idol tradition idle tradition one more time can we lift up our hands close our eyes and begin to pray to the master in this place we worship your name precious God we praise you Lord Jesus in this place hallelujah Lord hallelujah Lord you may be seated in Jesus name Idleness is the quality or state of being lazy or inactive, where tradition is an established custom that is passed down from generation to generation. Idleness is almost always associated as a negative. It has a negative connotation. It's it's not a good word. Nobody wants to be idle. No one, no one wants to say, oh, you're, you're such an idle person. That's not a compliment. It's not a compliment to be an idle person. But tradition, tradition can have good or bad connotation depending on how it's taking place. Tradition can be good if it's in the right context. Tradition can be a good thing. And our Bible story here today lets us know that it talks about a different tradition. And I, and I first want to say that the Bible is full of stories, but it's not just a story, it's history. It's stuff that actually happened, it actually took place. And I believe it's somewhere about one-third of the Bible is written in narrative form. It's written in story format. And it's not just a story so that you know you can read it in a, in a children's class and have a A good time and it's a good story that you can read to a group. It's not just a normal story, but the Bible is written in narrative form, but we take doctrine from that narrative. We take our principles, our practices from that narrative. It's not just there as a story, but it's there to teach us something. It's there so that we can see what happened in the scripture and either see what we should do or what we should not do. It's there for a reason. It's not just a story, but it is there for a reason. The stories teach us how we should live our lives. And so the Pharisees, the Pharisees are one of the characters of the story. We've got the Pharisees, we've got Jesus, and we've got the man that needs a healing. And so we've got the Pharisees. The Pharisees are always the evildoers, right? They're always the bad guys, the, the evil guy of the story. They're always the, the ones that are the snobby. They're, they're the one that we look down upon. We always say, oh, we, we, we shouldn't be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the bad guys of the story. Everybody say the Pharisees are the bad guys. Well, that's not true. <laughs> See, in that day... The Pharisees were considered the most religious people around. The Pharisees were the teachers. They were the rabbis. They were the people that everyone went to. The Pharisees were the pastors. They were the preachers of that day. Everyone went to the Pharisees in order to hear what they needed to hear from God. The Pharisees were the pastors of that day. And these people, they had traditions. They had rules. They had customs on how they should serve God. God. And it's interesting to study it. It seems like, I don't remember the exact numbers, but God gives the 10 commandments, right? And then the Pharisees, the Jews, they took the 10 commandments and they made 1200 laws out of the 10 commandments. God made it so simple, but then they they made all these rules. They made all these traditions out of it. They made all these things, not, not just to be a problem, not just to be a nuisance, but they made traditions in order to serve God. Not a different God, but the same God that you serve. The exact same God. They serve the exact same God. And many of these laws were connected, associated with the Sabbath day. They couldn't work on the Sabbath. They couldn't harvest on the Sabbath. They couldn't do many of the normal things that we're allowed to do. They couldn't do them on the Sabbath. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. This was meant to be a time of reverence and respect to God, but it, came, it became more of a ritual. It became more of a tradition, a practice that, oh, we don't do that on the Sabbath. We don't do work on the Sabbath. And it came such an awful ritual or an awful tradition that when a man walked in that needed healing from God, he needed something from God, they're like, oh, this is our chance to tempt Jesus. Is he going to work on the Sabbath? They considered healing work on the Sabbath day. It was a idle tradition a tradition that had become inactive it had once served a good purpose the the rules the customs the the tradition was put for a good practice. It was to give reverence to God. It was that time of rest because we can become weary. So it was that time of rest that we could spend with Jesus. Just like our Sundays, we could spend that time with him. It was a good tradition, but it had become an inactive one, one that did not serve its true purpose. It was such that bad tradition that they tried to trick Jesus on that day. And his response smash the perception of this tradition. He asked, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Or is that is that forbidden too? Is everything forbidden that we, we're not even allowed to do good on the Sabbath? We're, not, we're only allowed to do these th- certain things. We put this in a box that this is what we've got to do because this is what the Bible says. This is the tradition that we've made in order to serve God. And so he's asked, is it lawful to heal? Is it, awful, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now Jesus did not come to destroy their tradition completely, but rather to bring them back to the understanding, bring them back to the true purpose, bring them back to the first love of why the tradition exists, why prayer existed. That's why he taught on prayer. Not to say you're doing everything wrong, you should be condemned to hell because you're not praying the right way, but to bring them back and to say, hey, this is the real reason prayer exists. This is the real reason worship exists. is the real reason that giving exists this is the reason the sabbath was created this is the reason why we feed the poor this is why preaching existed jesus truly came to fulfill the law amen now we are apostolic pentecostals in this room if you didn't know it yet, this is a apostolic Pentecostal in church. We're Pentecostal in experience, and we're apostolic in our doctrine. We believe what the apostles taught, and we practice what they did on the day of Pentecost. Now, we have a certain tradition, a great heritage, a powerful story. This church has a powerful story, a story that dates back to the days of Pentecost where the Spirit was first poured out for the first time and they began to speak in other tongues. A story of William Seymour, a black man that united the races in a world-shaking revival on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. A story of G.T. Haywood that came to Indiana preaching about the name of Jesus. A story of my grandpa, Richard Martin, that was once Catholic, studying to be a Catholic priest, but found the revelation of the one true God and came to the name of Jesus, and married Mimi sitting on the front row and came to Muncie, Indiana, and started this great church in the 1950s, started this wonderful church. This church has a great heritage. This church has a great story. Clap your hands if you're thankful for the story. And each and every one of you are a part of that story. I don't care whether if this is your first Sunday or whether you've been here since the beginning. You're a part of that story. You're a part of what God is doing. God is weaving a story. This is the river of life. And where the river flows, everything will live. And this river does not stop, but it's been weaving through time. It's been carving out things. It's been changing the atmosphere and the environment of this city. And we have a great heritage. Pentecostalism has a great tradition, but your salvation does not depend upon your denomination. I want to say that again. Your salvation does not depend upon your denomination. There are many different denominations. Let me clarify that. There are Baptists, there are Catholics, there are Pentecostal, all these different things, but salvation does not depend upon denomination. The power this church has it's not simply because we have the name of a Pentecostal church. It's not simply just in the name. It's not simply because we have a tradition and we have great music and we have rambunctious services and all these things. That's, that's not the power that this church has. We hold power because we have the truth and we act upon it. It's not just in the name of Pentecost, but it's because we have the truth of what the Bible says, and then we act upon that truth. We do what the Bible says to do. It has nothing to do with the name. In fact, I've never said this over the pulpit before, but I believe that soon denominations are not going to look the same that they do today. (laughs) I don't believe that they're going to look the same as they do today. I believe that denominations are changing. It may not change the name. I believe that we're still going to have the names that exist over time. And the the names, That's, that's not going to go away. But the thing that's going to be different is people are getting hungry for the truth. People are getting hungry for the truth. And there are people outside these doors that may not be Pentecostal, but they love God and they're searching for more of him. They're searching for deeper things. They're searching for truth. They may still keep their names, but more and more people are beginning to see the revelation of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the one true God. More and more people are starting to realize that it's all in the name of Jesus. More and more people are starting to realize that it's by the Spirit, and the Spirit comes through speaking in other tongues just like the Bible says. More and more people are saying, there's something more. There's something more out there. There's something more. And more and more people are experiencing this truth. Everybody's speaking in tongues. I didn't include this in my message, but I want to talk to you about it for a little bit. I just got back from Bangladesh, and many of you have wanted to hear some reports about Bangladesh. We gathered in Bangladesh, about 40 of us. And in those crusades, there are about 10, 12,000 people that gathered together. Bangladesh is 90% Muslim, 89% Muslim, 10% Hindu. They, don't, they, they aren't Pentecostal. They aren't Pentecostal over there. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't act the same, but they're hungry for the power of God. They're hungry for what God is doing. By the time we left those crusades, there were over seven Thousand notable miracles and over 7,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost. My roommate Jordan began to lay hands on a little baby that's ear was completely deformed and his ear was opened up as he took his hand away because people are hungry and they're coming, they're coming, they're coming they're coming, they're coming where the power is, they're coming where the truth is they may not come in here they may come in here for a service and then go back to where they are but they're coming to the truth They're coming to the truth. They may not have all the same traditions that we have. (laughs) I'm not talking about doctrine, but they may not have all the same traditions that we have, but they're gonna believe in the name of Jesus because it's in the Bible. They're gonna be filled with the Spirit because it's in the Bible. They're gonna know the power of holiness because it's in the Bible. They will experience healing because it's in the Bible. They will praise God because it's in the Bible. And whether we see it or not, I'm telling you here today, there are people that are hungry for what God is doing in this end time there is coming an end time revival that no organization can hold that no church can hold that no building can hold the revival that's coming in muncie will not be able to be contained in this building alone it's not going to be able to can be contained in a river of life but you are the river and it's going to flow through everybody it's going to flow throughout this city what god's about to do is not going to be contained here but it is on the way and this church this church that is a Bible believing church that already does those things already practice those things. I'm telling you we better get ready because it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Things you've never seen before are coming. It's going to shift your tradition. It's going to shift your mindset that oh this is the way it has to be done. This is the way that people have to be saved. This is the way that church needs to be practiced. It may shift that mindset, but I'm telling you people that are hungry won't stop at anything. And They are on the way. In fact, I want us to lift up our hands right now and begin to pray that as it begins to come, he would give us wisdom. He would give us knowledge. He would give us, let us be full of truth and let us love, let us love others as they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. let a mindset break in somebody right now (laughs) new doors new opportunities are coming now all of that being said i wouldn't take any church in the world over this church right here i wouldn't take that was a terrible response i wouldn't take any church in the world over this church right here i love this church and this church is built upon godly traditions that are going to facilitate in time revival global harvest global revival right here right here beyond anything that we can imagine beyond anything that we can imagine but i'd like to preach to you today against idol traditions traditions that have lost their purpose their reason I'd like to preach to you today the reason why we are who we are the reason that we exist the reason we are a revival church and the reason that we do what we do we love God this is a church of love grow serve flow that's the vision that our pastor preached We're a church of love, grow, serve, flow. We love God, we grow in faith, we serve others, we flow to the world. But these are not just words, but this must be actions. And there's reason behind those actions. There's reason behind these principles. There's reasons behind these words. I'm going to tell you today three traditions of River of Life, three traditions that must not become idle. They must not cease in practice, and they must not cease in purpose. They must not become inactive in practice, and they must not become inactive in purpose. The first tradition of River of Life, a pillar of this church, a foundation of who we are, I'd like to bring to you today is prayer. If there is anything that River of Life does, it is a praying church. If there is anything that we embody, we are a praying church. I can remember the days when my dad would get up here and we'd have 24-hour prayer. And he'd begin to call off the hours of the night and begin to go through the list and say, I need somebody to take the 12 to 3 a.m. slot. I need, I need somebody to take this slot. If somebody couldn't take it, he'd take it himself. And leaders would stand up and people would begin to pray in the sanctuary at all times, our pastor is a man of prayer. This church is a church of prayer. If it wasn't for prayer, I wouldn't be standing before you here today. I can only preach because I learned how to pray. You must pray. You must pray. Our pastor said it over and over. If you don't pray, you won't make it. What is prayer? You all know this, but prayer is relationship with God. It is talking with him. It is communing with him. It is worshiping with him. It is our friendship with Jesus Christ. It is the connection point. When we pray, we're making audience with the king. We're making audience with the master. When you pray, you are literally talking to God. You're building a relationship with the king. Prayer is relationship with God. I'm going to be harsh for a minute, but I'm reaching for somebody today. If you don't pray, you don't have a relationship with God. If you, if you don't pray, you don't have a relationship with God. If the only time that you've ever talked to God, if the only time that you've ever prayed is when you committed your life to Jesus Christ and you said, okay, I'm coming to you, I'm giving you my all, God, and that's the only time that you've ever talked to Jesus, that's not a relationship, that's a one-night stand. That's what that is. It's not It's not a relationship with him, but that's just a one night stand with Jesus. If the only time that you ever pray and begin to talk to God, if the only time that you ever feel the presence of God is in here on a Sunday, that's not a relationship. That's just a fling. And a fling ain't gonna make it up there. Ain't nobody with a fling getting into heaven, but you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You've got to have a relationship with him. I wish that a prayer revival, a revival of prayer would shake us and stir us in this church. We've got to have a revival of prayer. Lord, shake us with prayer. Stir us with prayer. Let us have a relationship with you like we've never had before. We've got 24-7 prayer sheets. The church is open 24-7 for prayer. And I'm going to be honest, I see the same names on here over and over again. And I don't see enough names on here of what's going on. Because if this, if this sheet represents the only people that are praying in this church, and I know that it doesn't completely, but if it would represent the only people that are praying, we're going to have a small congregation up there but we've got to get prayer involved. We've got to get prayer involved in every facet of our life. We've got to pray, we've got to pray. Everybody wants a relationship with God. If they truly ask themselves, there's a hole in everybody's heart for that relationship with God. He designed us to have that. And everybody wants a relationship with God and the way that we create that relationship is through prayer. Sister Dyer's got key fobs. And I haven't been seeing a lot of key fobs being passed out, but when people come to our church, they should come knowing that this church is a church of prayer. They should come knowing and being able to feel that this church is a church of prayer. When new members come in, the first things they should know is, hey, you can get in here and pray at any time. You can have a relationship with God at any time. The first thing we should do is hit on prayer because prayer builds that relationship. We ought to pray. We ought to teach prayer. We ought to disciple in prayer. We ought to have prayer meetings going in houses all across muncie you all saw that video of the sister in louisiana who started a prayer meeting in their house and now there's over a hundred people coming to that house it's doing things it's shaking things healings are taking place in a prayer meeting conversions are happening in a prayer meeting if we get back to prayer being the number one thing in our life above all else it's all down to prayer we have to have stuff happen in prayer. I never do this, but they deserve the recognition so God can get the glory. Those that are a part of Illuminate Campus Church, I want you guys to stand up real quick. Those that are a part of that and have been praying this week, been praying throughout these weeks. There's several here. Every single week, every single week, every morning, we've got a prayer team, whether it's two or three people. People are praying on campus Students are getting up in the morning and they're praying on campus. They're praying because they want to see something happen. And let me tell you, things are happening. Things are happening. God is doing things on that campus because we're stirred and we're shaken. And we know that the only way to touch God is through prayer. The only way to see things happen, to shake up the spirit world, is by prayer. We've got to pray. It's time to get united in prayer, united around the pastor's vision, united around what he wants to do. If pastor puts out prayer sheets and says, I want prayer going on in the sanctuary, we ought to get out and pray in the sanctuary. We ought to not just pray in the place that we feel comfortable, in the place that we want, but let's get united in prayer. Let's get behind what he wants to do. Pastor's prayer is going on and it's shaking things. It's stirring things up. We've got prayer on Wednesdays in pastor's prayer. We don't pray because it's what Christians do. We We pray with purpose. We pray with reason. We pray to get closer to Jesus. We pray to hear his voice and he will speak back. It is time to pray. 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 Is anybody ready to get hold of God in prayer? It's time to pray. Clap your hands if you believe in prayer in this church. The second tradition of this church is we are a church of praise. Now, I'm already preaching hard, so I'm not going to stop now. I'm just going to get it all out in, in one spiel. But I remember the days of in a, as a kid when this place would absolutely explode in praise. On Sunday nights, it would just absolutely erupt in praise, and you the service would just go crazy. I remember sitting as a kid and thinking, I'm a part of this, and this place is... I. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. These people that are in here, the this, this stuff that's going on, the people were running and shouting and dancing and worshiping God, and it wasn't just a, a handful of people, but everybody was involved in praise. It was explosive praise. Now, elders, don't hate me here, but I don't believe that the glory of the past should be greater than the present. Amen. Thank you for that. I'm thankful for my heritage, and I'm thankful for the past, but I believe that today, today, today is the greatest hour of the church. Today is the greatest hour of the church, not because my generation or, or my age group is better or greater than anybody else because there are things that we've got to get a hold of. I, I try to get around my grandma as much as possible because I want that anointing. But let me tell you, the things that are happening today, the things that are going on today, the glory that this generation is going to see is going to be greater than any other generation because the Bible and the world demands that it must take place. I'm ready to see the former and the latter combined. Together, I'm ready to see the glory cloud begin to shape across this earth. I'm ready for it to cover the whole earth. I'm ready to see praise erupt in this place. I believe that the former and the latter rain are coming together. It's been spoken by elders in my life that have seen great things take place, but they've said, you're going to see greater things. This is the generation that God's chosen. I don't know why, I don't understand it, but this is this is the generation that's God's chosen. I've heard some great things and some scary things that this generation is about to see take place in these end time days, but the world is coming to an end and this generation's going to see an explosive revival of praise. And guess what? If praise was explosive back then, I believe it needs to be dynamite today. If it was explosive back then, I believe it needs to be dynamite today. There are times in this room I don't see praise match the God that we serve. And I'm not talking to the whole church because I know there's a handful that you're going to praise, whether the music's off key, whether anything's going wrong. I see people that are in here praising with no worship going on, no music going on. I'm not talking to those people, but I'm I'm talking to the whole church here. Everybody's got to get involved in praise. Everybody's got to get involved in praise. Everybody's got to get involved in what he is doing. In fact, lesson one is there are many different types of ways that we praise God. We've got the musicians up here. I want you to give it all you got in just a little bit. You know what? Go ahead and give me something. Go ahead and give me something. See, this is praise right here. This is praise right here. This is worship right here. What is praise? Well, praise is We bow down we worship him but when we praise him we begin to lift him up we lift God up we make him bigger we magnify him he becomes bigger than your circumstance bigger than your problems bigger than your own life Praise God and take the time and energy out of our days to say, Jesus, I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I thank and praise your mighty name. That's when God responds to what's going on in this place. Why should you praise? Well, first off, we were created to praise. We were created to worship him. We were created to serve his name. We were created to give him glory. We were created to serve the almighty God. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a mighty strong tower. The righteous run in, run into him and are saved. You can't stay still, but the righteous run in and are saved. When I put on the garments of praise, he takes away a spirit of heaviness. When we begin to praise him, he moves in this place. When do we praise him? Come on, when do we praise him? When do we praise him? When do we praise him? I will bless the Lord at all times i will bless the lord at all times i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth praise ye the lord praise god in the sanctuary praise him for his firm in the firmament of his power praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud-sounding cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything... Is there anybody that wants to praise Him in this place? Come on, somebody take about 30 seconds and just praise Him right now. It's not just a tradition. It's not just because we're Pentecostal. There's a reason why we praise. Let me talk about something else for a minute. God is a God of movement, He is a God of movement. He's a God that is always on the move. And one of the things in praise, I used to see a lot more movement. Than I do now. I don't. I don't know if praise is shifting, if praise is changing, or if you know we're we're a different generation, a different culture. Where you know now we praise, we we jump up here, we wave our hands. That that's praise now. But that's it's not just a tradition that's changing over time. But praise was designed for movement because when when you serve a God who is on the move, we ought to be on the move. When we serve a God who is constantly doing things for us. We ought to move for him. We ought to praise for him. That's why people would run. That's why people would dance. That's why people would shout. You wouldn't see him just standing still, standing in one place, but you see movement of what God is doing. You see movement because he is a God that's on the move. And listen to me, there are many ways to praise him, but no matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, it does require action. It does require action. You can't praise by just staying where you are, but you've got to move for him. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. It requires action for him. It requires action. You can't just stay there and be silent, but he's a God of movement. You cannot be still for him. And I'm telling you, we've got to get out and move because the movement that you see in here is the same type of movement out there. The idleness in our praise in here is the same type of idleness that you're going to see out there. If your praise is quiet and your praise is stationary in here, your witness is going to be quiet and stationary out there. If your praise is quiet and stationary in here, then your Prayer is going to be quiet and stationary. And prayers should move. Witnesses should move. Praise should move. And so one more time, we're going to try that again. I want the music to get up again. And we're going to begin to praise Him. And I want us to begin to move for the God. Move for the King of Kings. Lord of lords, Come on, that's it. That's it. Are there any choir members in here? Mary, I want you to get down right now. I want you to get down right now and just begin to lead this place in praise and lead this place in worship. Choir members that can say, hey, I'm going to step out. I'm here to heed and praise. I'm here to heed and worship.